Hello everyone, welcome to episode 27, 26, 27, 27, that's the one, my brain completely lost <laughs> it there, of um, Random Encounter, we're playing the Abomination Vaults as we have been doing, um, we've not suddenly changed it on you, don't worry, and we are going to be looking at their first deep dive into the third level, the second basement level, the th the third level they have been doing of this uh, adventure path written by Paizo for the Pathfinder 2nd edition role-playing system. But we like doing little bits of intro and we like doing little bits of chat and stuff to sort of just get ourselves into the mind space and get ourselves into the, into the mood of this. And the last few days I have been thinking a lot about how you make games like this cinematic, how you can bring out that sort of, how you can get inspiration from things like movies to try and bring that epic feel to a game. Now, there's tons that you can obviously do. There's lots and lots of verbatim description that you can attempt to include in this thing. Fights can obviously be made as epic as possible by using as much description as possible and trying to really bring that sort of aspect into it. But it's not for everyone. And what a lot of people would obviously like to do is to see in their mind's eye, in their in the way that they're thinking, they would like to see their games, this is my personal opinion, a little bit like we see things at the cinema, in film. That sort of epic, grandiose style. That, that real feeling that you get inside you. Now, obviously, in a lot of cases, that can that can be part and parcel of like all the theatrics that they have in there. The lights that they use, the the special effects, the the sound of the music, and we try and do that as much as we can. You know, we we have a bit of music, and we we try and use lighting on our on our desktops these days, which we are. One of probably the big advantages of being virtual in terms of this is a lot of that stuff we can include. We can include some epic lighting and we can include some sound, which would have been certainly doable back in the day of tabletop, proper tabletop, but was a little bit harder. And, and as we've migrated more and more towards digital forms, it's been part and parcel of what they can do. But before we had all this technology and before we had everything else, making a game cinematic was certainly one of the things that that a lot of people tried to do and what i was really thinking about and what i wanted to sort of bring my bring my players into is this idea of what can we bring from movies what can we bring from films to try and improve and increase that imagery to to make our games more cinematic what sort of things can we do what can we bring in and what shouldn't we try and do? What shouldn't we try and bring in? What sort of things should we try and avoid? Now, I, 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 I've given my players a little bit of heads up on this one and I give them an example of the sorts of things that I'm thinking, you know, that I've thought about and that I would include and I would do, but I am <laughs> sort of throwing out the hook and seeing what I catch here a little bit because I've not given you a lot of warning. Um, uh, and I'm going to go to something that I pick on very quickly because he tends to have the quick ideas. JJ, I'm sorry I'm throwing it to you first. Um, <laughs> go on, because I, I know what you're like as a GM and mm -hmm. I know the style of games that you play, so you, mm. that you run. So I have an inkling of the kinds of things that you like and that might be film-orientated, but... Mm -hmm. I want to see what you say. Um, I'll be honest, I've been kind of struggling to an extent um, because every 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 time I think of something, well, if if you do this, then you know you, you're making it uh, making a road for your own back as a GM. But actually, you could probably then, and that, the problem is, then I come back with it. Well, actually, you could just adopt it like this and suddenly make it work. Um, one of the ones some of the viewers may and some of the listeners may be aware of is is the horde problem you have a ridiculous number of potential enemy combatants in one format or another. Uh, what do you do with them uh, when you've only got a small party? Um, for my heresy players, um, recently, um, they were 
going on board a hostile ship. Um, therefore, potentially, in theory, encountering somewhere in the region 15,000 people who didn't want them there. And they are a party of four? Five? Four. Um, he says four. Three some of the times. Three some of the times. Four. Yeah. Um, and they had a little bit of firepower support, just a little bit, mind. Um, but otherwise, the good token good guys, so the player's side, only had 30 people versus potentially 15,000. Um, for me, it was relatively easy to script it so that most of those people were just inclined to get out of the way. They, they didn't have um, an investment in the players being there or not being there. They had an investment in status quo, whatever that looked like. Um, so I got around the horde problem that way. Um, another way it's been got around is with sweeping actions. Like most of the time we're used to combat where it takes three seconds or six seconds or a predefined turn time. Um, so you've got issues there where you're up against a ridiculously large number of zombies or undead, um, as was a couple of seasons ago in Critical Role, for example. Um, what do you do with the they're coming uh, the the drums the drums from the deep they're all coming after us and your party's got to get away you've got a horde and you've got a small bunch of people how do you run this as a case of over the next period you move from from turn based to narrative based time and okay so over the next ten to fifteen seconds thirty seconds what are you doing as a group to try and solve this problem mm -hmm. so you can go very successful. Or you can go completely the wrong way and it, it kind of falls apart because your players aren't necessarily used to that. So, hordes, functionally speaking. Good and bad things, hordes. Okay. I'm going to go with Kess now because I know that movies aren't really your thing. So, based on that, I'd imagine you struggled with this little bit of an assignment. I have no idea what to say. Oh, um, but I'm a consultant. I can make things up as we go. Yes. So, <laughs> leading professional ability. It's all good. Um, so, I reckon if I were going to do that, given that I don't GM, if I can possibly avoid it, um, I would probably want to try and put some narrative stuff in so that the players have got more bodies to throw at it and that probably reflects my personal preference for staying out of combat and taking the more strategic view anyway so for me the idea of having the players setting the overall strategy and plan and then deploying minions to go off and do it feels far more fun um than uh yeah trying to do the fellowship of the ring in the middle of the the great way you're focusing on nine characters that you care about, although mm. there weren't nine at that point. That said, the way JJ did the shipboarding thing mm. was brilliant, and that worked really, really well. Mm -hmm. So, I'm also a consultant, so I can nick other people's ideas and say I think they're great and use them. <laughs> I'll take the free kudos. <laughs> uh, we'll move over to a, a, another veteran GM, Dave. What do you take, if anything, inspiration-wise from movies and that cinema cinematic sort of experience? A um, couple of things, really. So, in the whole fight versus horde thing, or you know, small number of people, large opposition, it's it's where to keep the spotlight. And not to lose track that there are 17 million 32 and a half orcs out there, but also not get bogged down in things. Um, so that's kind of making it very much part of the imminent surroundings for the players mm -hmm. without presenting it as here are some orcs for you to hit with swords. Because players will always want to hit orcs with swords. Nine times out of ten. <laughs> Racist. Uh, <laughs> and also, players will never want to run away. Mm. Um, so, not being in a position where the players just want to 
hunker down and go, we're going to fight this out no matter what. But the other thing I was thinking of from a, a cinema point of view versus a role-playing game point of view isn't actually anything to do with combat whatsoever. It's, it's ye old travel montage. <laughs> because getting from point A to point B in various genres and settings takes some time. Whether that's a long warp voyage in, in Warhammer um, or trekking across the um, trekking across the wilderness in your fantasy RPG of choice. And the obvious thing to do there is go, here's a, here's a bit of blurb and you arrive. It's been two weeks travel, which certainly takes out a lot of the more tiresome aspects of it. But it also robs you of the opportunities for, you know, all those campfire talks, all those characters interacting. And if you just throw it out there going, yeah, you, you guys are going to take two weeks to get there. Is there anything you want to role play on the way? And you'll get tumbleweeds. Mm-hmm. Because it's very rare that a player will go, actually, I want to have an in-depth conversation with character Y about subject Z. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, oh, well, my opportunities passed me by. Shrug. And that also kind of ties into a certain subset of players having a bit of a, a social anxiety and not wanting to put themselves forward. Yeah, uh, but that I think is probably another topic for another day, and I could rant for <laughs> a considerable amount of time about um, players not putting themselves forward from both sides of my set of eyes because I do it as well. You've noticed that Phelan isn't quite as playing. There's something we need to talk about in this scene <laughs> yeah. as 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 there are uh, the others. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm gonna go and pick on the last person in the in the group because this was the this was the this was the conversation that we lined up that you were most confused about, Becky. You need you know, mm -hmm. we we talked about some examples to try and give you a, a heads way. But as most definitely a player before anything else, what is it in films that you wish you could see in your games? What was just said about the montages thing kind of resonates with me and the reason it does is because a gm in another game did this to such a good effect where we were going from point a to point b and the only way we were allowed to level up or improve our skills was actually role playing that in some capacity like you're out on the road where did you learn courtiership you know whereas if there's someone who can actually teach yeah. you it and you're in this cabin but you have to have a conversation about it in character it was like training montages we had a combat training montage that was entertaining it was like something out of mulan uh, <laughs> you know you can have a lot of fun with it it's ways to progress character relationships and skills mm. in a less you know oh i've leveled up this thing on my sheet yeah kind of thing yeah no so we I think, I think everything that people have been saying, it, it, it's stuff that, that, as a GM, it's like constantly in my mind is how to expand upon what people are doing. Make it not just I'm rolling a skill, I'm making an attack, uh, and this, that, and the other. And, and and one of the major things that that a lot of role play games certainly, certainly when I started suffered with was was horde mechanics, which we've talked about. Um, which a lot of games nowadays, a lot of the newer ones, try to handle. They try and actually have rules for dealing with huge squads of, of things. Um, Pathfinder 2nd Edition does have something in terms of something called troops, which is uh, you, you create a troop, which is effectively a large version of multiple small mobs but they share a health pool so rather than having 50 humans fighting you might have one human troop and you deal with that as a single entity and you deal with it as a single unit um 
I know a lot of games that have mechanics which basically mean that it, it, it you you are, you don't have individual mobs for each person that you're fighting against they might all be classified as a single unit and when you fight you deal with the whole unit all in one go they all activate at the same time and only get one role but the more of them that are in that unit the more effect it has so there's this whole things like that to try and help with with that and in terms of you know the the the, the montage scene about crossing over and traveling well if we go all the way back, there has always been the random encounter tables, which was kind of the rules-based way of getting people to do that. Um, whatever you feel about them, obviously we've named ourselves after random encounters, so um, you know, that was a, a deliberate choice, mostly because I don't plan on using too many random encounter tables, because my personal feeling is that they weren't the best way of dealing with things. <laughs> um, but uh, but they are there, they're, they're, those sort of there's always an attempt to try and fill these voids with rules and and sometimes you need it and sometimes you don't and sometimes you just have to think about what is going to be the most exciting the most cinematic but for our game for what we're doing right now i hope that what's going to come up next and throughout all of this is going to be fairly cinematic for everyone because we are going to be delving even further and deeper into this exceptionally well-written adventure I, I i do hope that the four people that i've got playing this right now have all been enjoying all of this because the detail in this and the, and the build-up and, and everything else is is all there and as it happens part of my conversation with these guys for the next episode will be one of my favorite ways of bringing in some cinema so i'm going to leave those comments until that time rather than now what we have, however, got is a situation whereby our rogue in this group has put themselves forward to search deeper and deeper into the into the um, into the abomination vaults. Uh, what you know as the Gauntlet ruins, but we all know better. And as you've stepped down to the bottom of these stairs, you've had a look around, you've had a, a clear look about the area. You can see to the north of you, there is another set of stairs that go up. To the east of you, there is a corridor that seems to just carry on going, but it does open up part way round. But then as you looked to the west, you saw a very large open chamber full of mist. And as you peer into that mist, you identify the sh uh, this shape, this creature, just at the point where the mist starts to move forward. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be um, revealing that creature to you right now. We'll, uh, we'll keep the mist though. The mist is attached to the creature, and and I think just for the benefit of everyone. I should show you what this thing looks like. And I know, because I know my players, that there's going to be some looks. There you go. Can we go back Problem? up the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> uh... I think it's the monoocular thing that's most creepy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because mm -hmm. tentacle critters don't really have eyeballs in the conventional sense, and yet here we are. You see a mass of tentacles on what appears to be some sort of octopus-shaped body. However, this is a medium-sized creature, so please, for the benefit of this, imagine something that is roughly four foot to sort of five foot tall. Um, the boys, this then, okay. and a it is utterly surrounded by fog with this single large eye looking straight at you now obviously the fact that it starts moving towards you is probably a sign that this is not going to be in your best interest so i'm going to very quickly just throw a little bit of music together a little bit of combat music let's get that going and then i think we probably should Roll up some initiatives, don't you? 
Um, I think I was scouty, even though my position is not necessarily the best. Mm-hmm. As of last turn. I last turn, last game. Probably last right. I'm missing. My default posture. There's no D4. Oh, that's distressing. <laughs> I have a selection available. I can. Make I know. There well, there are D4s in this box, but not in the set mm. I've chosen to use. Okay, is that the green set or the red set? The white set. Oh, oh well, there you go. You keep Neither. On, you keep on picking the wrong sets, apparently. Uh, okay, uh, I'm. I've got mine. They're still at home. Well, I, I I know what I'm on, so 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 I'm happy. Ooh. Um, cool. Should we go? Should we go down the line, uh, Inver? Sixteen plus eight for twenty-four, please. Oh, plus one for scouting. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Okay, Neffy. Probably the the most important one here. You you, you need a good initiative. I have twenty-five. Twenty-five. Is that with the plus one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Moz. Um, nine and nine for eighteen, but my incredible initiative brings it up to twenty. Okay, and one last one, Aylan. Twenty-seven, all in. Twenty-seven, all in. One at the back. <laughs> so. All back of the bus. We're going to begin this fight, but I've got some bad news for all of you because. My creature's going to go first. Hey. <laughs> For its first action, it is going to slither across the floor a total of Don't 20 like foot. Well, 15, because it needs to get to Nephi. As it moves forward, the mist that it's generating follows with it, immediately plunging all of you into a cloud uh, of mist so long as you are within um i believe it's 20 foot of it 15 foot 20 foot of it roughly speaking uh i'll get the exact number it's 15. all of a sudden the entire space that you're in is now really difficult to see through for the purpose of what that means in t for your fights. I now need all of you realistically to get yourself a second d20 because every time you try and make an attack against anything that's within the cloud, it is concealed to you and that will involve flat checks to try and make sure that you can hit the creature. That's for its first action. For its second action, it is then going... The mist seems to congeal around you and thicken not as in it gets harder to see but almost like the mist is holding on to you as you move all creatures within the mist count the area as difficult terrain doubling the movement cost to get in each square on top of that as part of this action the mist specifically around Nephi seems to go solid. I would like Nephi to make a reflex saving throw, please. Not at disadvantage, I think just no disadvantages wrong. or anything like that. No double rolls. We don't do that. That's the wrong system. Uh, reflex, you say? Reflex saving throw, please. That's a 23. Okay, so you just, just succeed. The mist seems to try and hold on to you, but you are able to break your feet out of the solidifying effect. On top of that, it is then going to just clobber you with one of its tentacles, just for good measure. Um, Here, have a bad day. Uh, that would be a 29 to hit you. Yeah, it's a crit. That's a crit! Oh. Yeah. Oh. AC nineteen. This 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 could be quite bad then. This this could be very Who's bad. Who's gonna pick me up, please? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, Fight's over. First. <laughs> Twenty-eight points of damage. Oh, no, that's Now, you'll be glad to know that is all three of its actions. 
Balin, it's your turn. Okay. Given that I'm not in the mist, can I even see what's happened? You absolutely can. It's not... Um, so there's there's a couple of conditions in uh, Pathfinder for this sort of thing. Hidden would mean you really can't see in there at all. Concealed just means it's difficult to be 100% certain, but you've got a good idea of that's a Nephi-shaped thing, that's a creature-shaped thing, you can see a Moz-shaped thing in front of you, so you've got a reasonable idea of where everybody is. Um, the concealed condition itself uh, is mostly going to affect, and uh, I will just very, very quickly confirm my thoughts on this one. Um, in order to target a creature, you have to roll a d20 and get a 5 or higher to actually be able to target the person that you want to, to do a spell to or anything. So it's effectively right. a 20% mischance. So if I was wanting to do a two-action heal spell on Nephi, I'd have to roll that 20% mischance. You mis would indeed, yes. What I'm hearing is that area effects are the way to go. <laughs> Only we had some firebombs around about now. <laughs> you want me to pop one of the necklace of fireballs off? In here, in a confined space, where the furthest spot away from me has a nephi-shaped cow in it. Is that what, is that what you're saying, Mosingtons? I would never dream of such a thing. That's obviously a goblin-level thought. You could put yourself there and then lob one this way. Right. Although Here's I want that thinking. space, so please move out of it when we're done. <laughs> Which you wouldn't be able to do, so let's... <laughs> right. Okay. And so how, how far down this corridor that we're in, because I can't see any counter for the bad guy okay it does this mist come so the counter itself uh, is right next to nephew as you might imagine 15 foot so if i do a nice sort of distance measure it comes up to roughly i mean probably slightly short of orin orin is just in just out of this aura right okay Okay. Right. Nephi sounded quite knackered, so I'm gonna uh, fling a two action level one heal. Okay. At her. Yep. So we five up, five or higher on a d20. That's a six. We're all good. <laughs> so with level one, I believe it's one d8 plus eight. One d8 plus nine. Plus nine because of your staff. Yes. Okay, Nephi, you have thirteen HP back. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good start. And. With your one I'm gonna, action. I'm going to attempt a recall knowledge. Okay. A, a vaguely tentatively shape that does mist. Oh, hang on. I've just done something stupid. Just give me one moment. That was not what I intended to do. Let's get you back over to that map. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. This is... Uh, let me just figure out what the heck I've just done. I'm going to pause. Okay, we're back. I, I broke things, but we're back. Everything's kind of working again now. Uh, so, yes, you oh, can... Oh, weapons malfunction. Yeah. <laughs> you can just about see, because of the mist and everything else, I'm going to say you can just about see the tentacles moving around and everything else. I'm going to absolutely allow you to make a, a, a um, check on this. Um, what I need to know is which is better, your arcane or your nature? Uh, nature by about 10 points. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's fair enough. 
Okay, so you have a look at this thing, and as it happens, you do know what it is. Uh, it's something called a mist stalker. It's actually a type of water elemental. Um, yeah, they're 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 just um, one of those sort of weird varieties of water elemental that's that's gained a little bit of sort of like cold or mist effect for its when it's when it's been brought over, and it, it forms into this sort of creature. Um, what I've always said with any successful identification is you can ask me about uh, defensive abilities uh, or stats, uh, any sort of offensive actions that it might have or anything that it passively might have. Um, so I leave that option open to you. What sort of information would you like to know about it? Uh, defensive, please. Defensive. Uh, it's um, for the most part the the, the mist cloud is one of its main sort of defensive things but real key thing on this for you is they have their best sort of save is their reflex save they're quite nimble um and they are immune to bleeding paralysis poison and sleep okay those are your three actions mm -hmm. inver you are next Hmm. So we're half speed moving up to there or there, right? So, I mean, fundamentally, your first step in is going to be five foot, but every one after that is going to be a ten foot move. Right. Ten, fifteen, no, five. Yeah. Fifteen, twenty-five. Yeah. Rubbish. <laughs> Bowls. Yes. <laughs> oh, that would distract the tentacles, right? Give it balls to juggle. <laughs> Not We've all seen the movie. <laughs> happens, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I don't really want to get in the way of Mars, but at the same time... Hang on, haven't you got reach? Yes, I do. I also have a plan. You can go over there then, right? Is it cunning? Um, I don't know if it's quite fox-like, but yes, that is exactly where I was intending on going. Cool. Stabbing I it am. in the face, or at least vaguely attempting to do so. Going there. Yep. You can um, indeed then... see this thing. It, it's going to get a bit of cover. Yeah, yeah that's fine. I am doing my blood magic spell. So this is Sepulchral Mask. Takes focus point. Mm-hmm. You manifest a supernatural funerary mask in a five-foot emanation, granting you a plus one status bonus to will saves against save, against emotion effects. That's not the relevant part. Your foes within the area confront their regrets and sins. Each enemy in the area when you cast the spell, area, mm -hmm. or that starts its turn, takes 1d4 mental damage and attempts a will save. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what sins of water elemental believes it has, but apparently uh, it has enough that it's, it's going to take some damage. It's a very naughty tentacle monster. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Uh, no. So you wish. Thank you, Pub. I think I think that might be a name this of the episode. Name of the, by <laughs> might be the name of the episode, mind you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's going to get a 29 for its will save. In that case, it succeeds and it takes a whole one point of damage because I rolled a two. I mean, that is at least its first point of damage. Um, but every taken. turn it starts in the area. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah, does yeah. it again. Um, Nephi, it's your turn. Not very happy. You well, ran away. <laughs> more thinking, can I tumble through? I mean, you can absolutely try the distance. Uh, normally you would half your movement speed, but you're a nimble elf. You've got a, a 35 foot movement speed. You then obviously double everything. So, yeah, you've just, just got enough space that you can get through to behind it. It would I take a acrobatics, acrobatics check. Yeah, an acrobatics check. Twenty-three. Twenty-three is just a success. 
Okay, I'll so take it. So you tumble through to that side. Now, you do have, I believe, do you have the rogue tumble through? Yes. Uh, so that will make it flat-footed against this next yep. attack. Um, yep, as long as it's before yep. the end of your turn. So... And then I stabby-stab. Stabby-stab with your rapier. Mm -hmm. So now I've got to see if I hit. Mm. Is that right? So yeah. now, now you see if you hit. 20. 20 is a hit, but now I'd like you to roll a d20. Yep. Fifteen. And that is past the flat check, so you do connect with the creature. Roll your damage, including sneak attack. Crit, by the way, not a... Oh, a natural 20. 20. I mean, I mean, if you'd said that, I might have, you know, raised my eyebrows a bit more and been a bit more enthusiastic, but no, you <laughs> didn't say you that. Like, like, you didn't care, and I was like, you know what, if that's how you're going to be... <laughs> Well, you didn't seem overly excited about it, to be honest. Okay, natural okay. 20 then. Roll roll the damage and then just multiply it by two. And meanwhile, oh. I'll melt in this room. Jeez. Well, I've got my bloodline effect. You, well, we'll deal with that in a second. Okay. Uh, 14 damage. 14. Is that with all the, dam the doubling and everything else, is it? Yep. Okie dokie. Uh, all of that does seem to go through. This creature doesn't seem to be anything other than just awkward and resilient and, you know, messing around with smoke. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hurt you before, so you hurt it back. Um, before we go on to your third action, um, Inver, what's yep. your blood magic effect, your bloodline effect? It's an extra point of damage per level of spell, so it did one extra point of damage. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll... I'll, I'll Tick that over. Um, Thank you. Okay, Nephi has one more action left. Can't really do much help. Um, 22 to hit. 22 is a hit. And it was a 14 on the dice for the whether it okay it still connects then yep it absolutely still connects and that's six points six more points of damage again it does all seem to go through so whatever this thing is it's not particularly resilient to the to the damage uh moz yes um moz will push his way past Inver. mm-hmm through the smoke. Uh, drying. Through the smoke. Um, nose loosely, it's off to the left-hand side. We'll collide with the wall. <laughs> and keep the the way clear, as it were. And put a, a bit of distance between him and, and the, the cephalopod slapping of tentacle noises. <laughs> um, and we'll make a stab at the... Okay, So, hit or miss first. Um, I, I, I mean, personally, I quite like it if you've got two d20s rolling both at the same time, so long as you know which one is for which thing. Um, metal for metal, bone for the likelihood to hit. Ten on the likelihood to hit. Okay, that's fine. And a 16 plus 12 for 28. Okay. Normally, that would just be a hit. But you're flanking, so that is a critical hit. Ooh. <laughs> Someone's getting it. D ten, D ten plus four, doubled. That's one, two, three, four, five. Yep. And that was a zero on the D ten. So that is a ten. So it's going to take twenty-eight points of damage. Is that what you? Is that what you're telling yeah. me? Yeah. Yeah. It's still up. Good. Uh, but you have taken, like, chunks out of this thing. The, the sort of slightly rubbery cephalopod body. Um, but as it hits the floor, it's almost like it instantly turns into water. As, as he stabs in, he gets that, that resistive feel. Knows he's hit something, pulls back. Hopes for blood or some other kind of marker. Is slightly confused about the matter. <laughs> Fine. And we'll take... Uh, 
there's no point in doing anything because exacting strike would be useless in this scenario. Brutus shove will not put him anywhere useful. It will actually knock him through Nephi. You wouldn't be able to do it. You wouldn't be able to shove nah. through, uh, through a friend. So he's going to go for another stab at it. Okay. One four hit chance. 18 means it's a hit. Hmm. And a 14 plus maths. 7. 21. It's a hit. Yay! I'll change out the dice because we don't want to burn the luck up too quickly. That's a natural 1 plus Ooh. 4 for 5. It's still going. And it's its turn. In the situation that it's in, it's going to, with one tentacle, strike out at Nephi from behind. But before it does that, it's going to do a will save and take some damage. Maybe. Bleed. Bleed. Uh, 16 on the dice with a plus 11 with a 27. Yep. So, one point plus half of three gives it three. Uh, no, it would be two in total. Two. Okay. Couldn't remember if you rounded up or down. It's still up. I will note one more point of damage would have killed it. Uh, <laughs> so, it's going to get to unfortunately do what it wants to do. Or it's rounding down. It's going to hit or try and hit Nephi. A four on the dice. With a plus 14 to hit is an 18, and it just misses. With a second tentacle, it's going to try and hit Inver. Now, you've got a little bit of cover, so you're going to get a bonus of one to your armor class for the corner that's kind of getting in its way. An 8 on the dice with a plus 9 is therefore also going to miss. Oh, no, 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 that's exactly no, that's a hit. hit. That is exactly. Yeah. 2d8. No, 8 and 9 is 17. That's definitely a hit. That is definitely a hit. You would have got the plus 1 for the cover, but that's that means it's oh, yeah. definitely a hit. Uh, so yeah. the first thing it does is the t as, as it hits you, uh, it does 11 points of damage. Ow! And then the tentacle for another action wraps around you. Uh, you are immobilized, you are grabbed, all of those wonderful little words that come from oh, the grab condition. Um, yes, uh, so you become grabbed. Um, and just be lucky that it hasn't got another action. Balin! Right. Just do it. Points of damage. 11, yeah. Ah. Oh, 22, 21. Okay. Yay. So, I'm going to move up behind Inver. That should give me a couple of five foot squares and a ten foot square. Yep. Ah. Uh, much as I apologise for the potential outdoor noises, I need that window open. <laughs> That's legit, dude. I, I shall beckon Ulleran forward to bite the tentacle thing. Okay, dokie. So he sh should have enough movement to get through yes, there. Yes, they're quite, they're, they're reasonably nippy. Yes. Five and so, two tents, yeah. so we start off with trying to target it with an attack. Yep. Just enough. Okay. Um, Make your attack roll. Then in with the bitey bitey. For 22. 22 is a hit with the flanking. And, and just as a general note, as I said, it's only got one health left. So how does Olrin want to deal the final blow? Um, 
Oleron takes one of the tentacles between his teeth, pours to the floor, and then with a with a pop, the tentacle comes off, and the thing just loses cohesion and and, <laughs> and blobs away like water elemental things would do. Absolutely. So, the creature itself just dissipates and disappears the whole sort of idea that this is a, a, a an elemental definitely springs to mind because clearly it's reverted and potentially it's actually still alive somewhere back in its own plane you don't quite know how all of this sort of stuff works in full detail but you've you've got a reasonable idea the mist right. itself just sort of doesn't really kind of fade away it's almost like it just gets into what remains of the creature and then just rolls across the floor in this vague sort of steamy mist and then finally ebbs away. You're left with fundamentally an empty corridor. Um, you can see just ahead of you to um, the, uh, the chamber that the creature came out of. Uh, as well as chambers behind you. You can see some doors kicking around. Nephi can definitely at this point see that there are some exits and, and entrances out of the various different sort of locations and places that, uh, that are around. Um, so yeah, it, it's a bit of an odd one. Um, what do people want to do? Go explore, I guess. Yeah. Listen at doors, not go through them. <laughs> not go through them first day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as you're leading that way, Nephi, Moz will just turn around and grab a, a slack handful of Kelchops and just sprinkle them to our right, so behind us, just so we are. Just down in that back grid there, just so we're not necessarily surprised. Why would you not put them there once you've moved through? Because I don't want to run through them and run over them and get my foot no. stabbed. That's why. Okay. Yeah. Oh, ye of light feet. <laughs> and if we have to run the other way, then again, problem stairs. There's a whole bunch more doors down that way. Can I sense anything with my spirit sense? I'll um, if necessary. <laughs> so, um, as you're stepping through into that space, let's do a quick spiritual sensey type thing for you. Um, you are vaguely aware of something spiritual to the south of you. Very vaguely. Now, while while you're here, let me just um, just check what are people's actions while they're wandering around through these chambers. We have yeah. Nephi being Spandard stealthy, scouting. I believe, scouting mm -hmm. for 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 Mars. In Inver is sneaking, and Phelan is perceiving. Perceiving. Oh. Equivalent thereof. Yes. Whatever the magic word of the day is. Yes. Uh, which is pretty good that you're the one that's seeking because uh, you do immediately spot that there is a door directly opposite you uh, in the wall uh, to this side. And we shall just very quickly reveal all that door. Another one there. Nice catch. As for the rest of you kind of wandering around, having a look, trying to be a bit sneaky and a bit stealthy, you do not really hear anything, any noises coming from any of the doors in here. Um, there is no, I mean, nothing beyond like this initial feeling that you get at these chambers. As you've stepped into here, 
you can there's this constant kind of smell as if something is rotting in every hidden corner in every sort of area the whole area feels a bit sort of stuffy the air is a bit um a bit dry a bit no sorry not dry um moist the, the whole sort of thing is just feels a little bit uncomfortable on your lungs as you as you're breathing in the corridor itself that you've just come from there's untidy stacks of like books or parchments light sort of scattered around the place little bits here and there even this chamber seems a little bit odd Mm. Oh, James, a little bit dubious. So, there's definitely something down that way, and just as to the south door. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a somewhat weird. My question is, are we going to poke the weird thing first or have a look around at the other not-weird things first? Well, let's have an initial we'll list of, of these doors. Hmm. Now, if you cover there is, say again. Uh, I was going to say, all of this is weird. None of it is not weird. Right. Right, let me rephrase. The detectable eminence of oddity versus standard levels of weird. Got you. I detect magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you cast detect magic just to have a brief sort of outline of whether or not there is anything within 30 foot. And uh, the fun of this, I now have to check every room that's around you to see if there's anything which might trigger it. Um, why do you think I do it? Why do you think you do it? Uh, you do not detect... Oh, gold, hang on. No, you do not detect anything magical. See, now I feel like I need to move around this room at least because <laughs> I must be near something. <laughs> I mean, you you can wander around here. Detect magic is a, a concentration, so you just keep it running mm -hmm. and, and, and the like. Uh, and after checking around this entire chamber, you still do not detect anything magical. Should we listen at doors and then go through them? As like a plan, I'll be tempted to say that northern door first, rather than the sneakily hidden door. At that second. Okay. Heard that? You check around, listen at the northern door, and you do not hear anything. Okay. Are we going to open up? Do we want to do any patching up before we do this? I was loosely thinking that because you're not looking so good as you could be. By which I mean, you look a little bit haggard. I enjoy Nephew and I look a little bit hmm. like we could do with some patching up, I guess. So, what, you want to take... You think it's safe enough to take half an hour here and I'll uh, do the rounds? Yeah. The cow shops will give us a bit of a heads up if anything walks along that corridor. We clear one set of stairs. As long as we have the two who aren't being treated in front of Phelan and the casualty at any given point, then we can mm -hmm. provide a bit of a shield. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Who's first? Yes. What's on um, second? I will have my dueling cape out for the bonus to AC while I'm on, you know, shield duty. Okay. Oh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm doing Neffs first. Seems reasonable. Like a plan. Seems reasonable. Okay. Nineteen on the med on the nature check for seven hit points. Okay, patched a little bit up there. Switch on to Inva. Sixteen on the 
Nature check and eight hit points. Thank you. And it's going to roll something weird, but anyway, there we go. Mars. Can have 11. Okay. So, half an hour patching everybody up, just doing the little bits and pieces. Uh, knowing the sort of the the remedies and the quick things to help people's um, blood sort of and, and scars at least seal you then start listening at the doors and as i said the one to the north there's no clear sound from it. nothing really that kind of catches any of your attentions okay i'll go first since you asked nicely. And I'm presuming that these doors are still that kind of slightly swollen no, damp. No, they're not. Ooh. These ones are not swollen. While the air is slightly damp, the wooden doors here seem to be designed to almost stop too much moisture being able to move backwards and forwards between them. Uh, and are actually in a reasonable nick. Moz has some, some, some thoughts around the, the possibility of basically this being a drowning pool kind of situation. Um, and we'll ease the door open. Well, that explains a lot. You find in front of you a long corridor, 15 foot long. At the 10 foot interval, so 5 foot, then at 10 foot, there is a door that heads to the west. There is at the end of the 15 foot corridor, another door that just blocks off the rest of the corridor. In terms of details of this space, by the by, the corridors are about eight foot. You've got about eight foot headspace in here. The rooms, on the other hand, seem to open up extra. So the rooms are actually, have got a 10 foot ceiling. So there's a little bit of discrepancy between the two uh, as you're wandering around. How wet are the floors? Is it just like Not really. slick it's, with dew kind it's, of thing? It's more... There's tiny patches here and there of mould, but you don't think the mould has got enough really moisture down here to kind of expand and spread. It's it's just that 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 like in between the cracks kind of thing. Mm. And he'll lean on the first door because why not? Let's try it. Risky for a biscuit. Oh, fuck with. Close the door, close the door. <laughs> so before you close the door, before do they close the door, don't like that, you know I don't like that one. Uh, the walls <laughs> of the empty room are decorated with hundreds upon hundreds of tiny little harsh marks, as if someone has been counting for uh, counting days for ages to the northwest. An iron door with a barred window sits in the wall. A large but open padlock hanging from the door's latch. But the reason why people kind of went as they opened it was because stood at the back of the room at attention is a large red-skinned creature with Harsh black metal armor with spines and spikes all over it. In addition to that, his features show a pair of horns coming out the top of his head. What appears to almost be a beard, but it's actually made out of spines and spikes that come out of its, its head. The lower half of this creature is, however, not humanoid in any way shape or form its legs twist back and end in two large cloven hooves fur of a brown coloration spreads across its entire body with a long tail whipping out behind it it holds in its hand a massive barbed glaive and it looks like this we need to play Ew. for it the best song in the world. <laughs> oh, will it eat our song? I've my guitar. <laughs> and 
as you open the door in infernal does anybody speak infernal i really should but i don't think i do yeah, i think i do language? hang on where do we find language? you do yeah, not I you do, do not yes in... i do no i don't i do it you might want to fix that moss stands up tall and in infernal says and that's where we're going to end the that's where we're going to end the episode um <laughs> thank you very much everybody that is another episode of this got i'm going to let this guy these guys go for a drink i'm going to go out into wherever there's some sort of airflow and not faint um and we'll come back hydrate. in a bit yes and hydrate and all that hydrate. Like everybody hydrate um we will be back to record the next episode very, very shortly. But you guys, thank you very much for watching and listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye.